just finished editing this podcast, and boy, I hope I can get all the peeking out of this post. If not, I'm going to have to apologize for the distortion in my voice. If you're not sure what peaking is, it's the distortion caused from the mic going into the red. It's usually caused by too much gain or too much volume getting put into the system. I've been messing around with my volume lately, and I didn't realize I was peaking. So if it doesn't sound good, now you know why. This world, this life, is about the connections we make and the people that we touch. This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. Hey Rich, Jason here. Just want to say enjoyed your Christmas Eve special. You know, it sounds like you're a good place in the hobby. You know what you like. You can articulate what you like. You know the kind of players you like. You know the kind of GMs you like to play under. So that's awesome, and I really appreciate that. And although it's not a perfect fit, it's funny because a lot of what you described fits the 1975 Boot Hill, or I guess more accurately the 79 Second Edition Boot Hill, but really both games pretty darn accurately, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But great job. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for putting out your podcast. I look forward to seeing what you do in the next year. Take care. Oh, man, I can't believe you're getting 1975 Boot Hill and 1979 Boot Hill confused. Actually, I've never read either. I'll have to check them out. Thanks for calling. Want to start editing your audio and video, but just don't have the time? Try Descript. Descript's an all-in-one audio and video editor that makes editing as easy as using a Word doc. You upload your recordings straight into Descript, or you can record straight into Descript. It instantly transcribes your file into text, and then you can tweak it with the text or using the media clips. Edit out filler words and silent gaps with a single click. You can record your screen and webcam presentations and video messages and edit out mistakes before publishing. Using pro features such as non-destructive multi-track editing, live collaboration, auto-captioning, exports, and much more. Descript is what I use when I edit my podcast. Not that I edit my podcast. Affiliate link in the description below. Hey, welcome back to the table. Well, things have been good since the last time we spoke. I've got kind of a major distraction going on in my life that keeps pulling me out of now, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I got to play this Saturday. Finally. I haven't run Witchful Light in what seems like four weeks. It's probably only been three, but still three weeks. It's a long time. So yeah, it's been a bit. I am happy to get back into it. I love running stuff, but I'm feeling trepidation right now with the adventure. I'm feeling constrained by the adventure. It's usually run and I run an adventure. I don't just run an adventure anymore. Like when I came back to 5e, I wrote my own stuff. And then playing Adventures League, I was forced to use an adventure. I wasn't forced to. If I didn't want to play Adventures League, then I didn't have to run an adventure. But if I ran Adventures League, I needed to run an adventure. So my first big one was Curse of Strahd, and that's a great adventure. There's not a lot in there that I felt like changing up. There was like a couple things that I felt my hands tied as we played through it, and that was mostly encounters, because there was this one spot where the encounters were two different things. And it's like, okay, you're going to be fighting werewolves for the next six levels. And I'm sorry about that. 
Adventures League rules have lightened up, but still, that's the way the book is written. So if you're not adding to the book, then that you're going to be fighting more rules for six levels. Okay, so I'm feeling constrained by this adventure. All right. First of all, I'm not making it my own right now. I feel like I'm almost kind of phoning it in. There is, there doesn't need to be anything changed about the adventure as is. It runs pretty well by itself. It doesn't go in any weird directions. There's not, there's not a lot of FedEx quests. The ones that were in the first section, I rejiggered to make it not seem like, oh, hey, you go here, you go here, you go here, you go here, even though I think that's what they did. <laughs> so I feel like I'm reading a lot at the table. And maybe that just comes from not having the adventure memorized, but I also feel like I'm not making a lot. If I'm writing anything down during prep, it's it's copying. If I like, I don't feel the need to write anything down because it's already written down in the book and copying it over while, yes, it would probably help me to memorize it more. It just seems like a futility, right? I, I, I don't think that it's going to help me that much. On that note, I'm not spending enough meaningful time prepping. Like I said, I'm not making a lot. I'm not creating a lot for this adventure because it's already pretty solid the way it is. And this is making me feel not creative. <laughs> it's like I'm running somebody else's adventure. And apparently that's just not what I like. So my last big campaign I ran was entirely from one book. That was Ultraviolet Grasslands. But there was enough stuff in that book that was vague and there wasn't a lot of conflict in the writing of the book. So I started making my own conflict and that made the game flow better for me. The ultraviolet grasslands is it's more a setting than anything. It does have some definitely like adventure aspects to it. There are definitely some adventures in it, but for the most part, it's a setting and a toy box for me to move stuff around. Whereas Wild Beyond the Witchlight is not a toy box. It is a adventure and it is a pretty linear adventure as well. <laughs> the campaign before that, my Sanguera campaign, which was focused around the blood war, a lot of it was my own writing. Now I started off with Lost Minds of Fandelver, but I placed it in my own world. We moved on to run almost every dungeon in, uh, we went on to run almost every dungeon from Tales of the Yawning Portal. We ran through the almost the entirety of the Blood Wars box set from second edition. Yet I was creating more then. I rewrote a lot of the adventures. It, it Tales from the Yawning Portal, I took White Plume Mountain and changed every single room in that dungeon. I either replaced the encounters, moved time forward, moved time backwards, that there were a lot of key points that were very similar, right? You've got the 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 crabstrosity in the the bubble, but it was a different monster. The wave reacted a little different, but they still cubed and blew out the top of the mountain. There were still the swings and the mud volcanoes, but I put spiders in there and I think I put some flyers in there too, just to make things more complicated. The vampire in the room beyond was still very similar. I don't think I really changed much with him, but the whole conceit was that White Plume Mountain had moved forward, that this place had been there and things had taken over. 
I, again, I was really writing to it. And by the time Blood Wars had come around, we were level 14, but I had to rejigger those adventures to fit my party level and my campaign. So there was a lot of stuff that I brought forward from my campaign and seeded in those adventures. And there's a lot of stuff I changed in those adventures to continue the continuity of my campaign. What am I going to do? I'm going to do nothing, right? Because I, I have not touched the main parts of this adventure. I have put places in that will expand it greatly. And we're coming to that first place. And that place is the world of Oz. And... This is not in Witchlight. This is not an adventure that I'm pulling from somewhere. This is a setting book for Oz. And by the way, it's an amazing setting book. James Kolb, I believe his name is. Go out and check his stuff out. I think it's on Amazon for 25 bucks. Like it's so inexpensive. And the stuff this guy writes, he wrote Neverland and he wrote Oz. And they're just, the way that they're, transcribed into a D&D world. No, transcribed is the wrong word. The way that they are transformed into a D&D world makes, I, I don't even know how to explain it. There is just some twists that he puts in there and some D&D-isms that he puts in there that make these places come alive. So his first one was Neverland. And that's a hex crawl, if I remember. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I believe it's a hex crawl. It really feels influenced by Hot Springs Island. And Oz, the second one, is a, a, a city point crawl. It's very interesting to see his writing in two different forms, two different styles. Now, being that these are a both crawls, they they have a lot of locations, but not a lot of adventure. It sounds wrong. And what I mean by that is that there are really not a lot of set adventures, right? There might be a dungeon or two scattered around here, but what it is really like social interaction, what the players do and how they react to the factions around them. And in Oz, the, the setup is so DM specific. You're told to set up basically the rulers of Oz, right? There's, there's Oma or Ozma. There's Ozma, who is the princess of Oz. And then there are the, the four districts, right? And those are the four witches, warlocks, or wardens, depending on the, their ginger descriptor. So we've got in the original Oz, we've got the Wicked Witch of the North, the Wicked Witch of the... No, the Wicked Witch of the West, the Wicked Witch of the East, Glenda the Good Witch of the North, and then I don't remember who the South Witch was. But these were all the mayors of their respective locations, districts. Not mayors, they are the leaders, the wardens. Below them is a mayor, and then below that is like a council. And this is the whole thing about Oz, right? Didn't really make this connection until now, but it's really, it's very political. And I can lean into those politics really hard and do mothership style kind of horror where it's not aliens busting out of your stomach, but um, oppressive regimes pushing you in directions. I'm really, really liking that idea. Yeah, so there, right there. See how that just popped out of me? And I'm like excited. This is what one of the things that gets me excited about GMing is when I find that thing and I'm like, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And in an adventure, I don't feel like I can do that. And I'm not shitting on Wild Beyond the Witchlight. It's a good adventure. It, it doesn't require any tweaking at all, I feel like. It feels 
very well put together and like you don't need to be a pro dm to to figure it out to get the story across to your players whereas some of the other ones i think the Acerarak one which i always forget in chult there's a lot going on there that needs to be tweaked you've got this huge hex crawl and then this huge dungeon all with this huge time pressure and you could go 1 to 20 in that area. You could just explore that area. And I think that instead of having that overarching story, just having that area to explore and then discovering the story at the end maybe would, would have been a better approach. And a lot of the jungle stuff doesn't connect to the story. It just feels like it's got... It, it, there's a lot of finessing that needs to happen to, to make the story more coherent. Where if there wasn't a story to begin with, then the story would emerge from the setting, which is what I like. I like when stories emerge rather than are told. And that's just my style of play. I like really loose setting style adventures. I like toolboxes instead of um, scripts. I like to feel involved in the creation of my game. I think that Oz is really going to reinvigorate me on this this campaign. And I think that if we don't spend a lot of time there, there's definitely a reason to come back to it later. And right now, they're, that's the only direction they have to go. So the game continues, right? I am not, not feeling it fully. I'm still having a good time. I am still happy to play the game. Beyond my normal imposter syndrome, I am excited to play the game. I'm still barely using the system. I don't know if Shadow Dark is a good system for this or not, but it is a system and it is in the background. It is there. We have not really used the system to its full extent, which is fine. That's what I want in a system anyway. I want a system that can sit there and support me if I need it and can get the hell out of the way if I don't. And Shadow Dark is doing that wonderfully. Every once in a while, there will be a question about, oh, should I roll for that? Is there a roll? We had someone new join a couple weeks ago, and she was like, oh, is there a perception check? And I was like, no, none of that. It's all diegetic, in-world, fiction first. And I kind of went into that in my last podcast, and that that's why I, I enjoy the fiction and creating the fiction. At this point, though... I'm looking at this game and wondering if dice are even necessary at all. <laughs> Certainly, there's going to come a point that I feel it would be unfair for me to judge. And that's what the dice are for. But I am really like to try some FKR, I think. I would really like to try uh, storytelling. I don't know. Story creation? I don't know. FKR. Let's, let's put a pin in that. I'm going to do some research. Maybe I'll come back and I'll run something and we'll see how it goes. All right. So we are at a point in Wild Beyond the Witchlight that players have cracked the adventure. They have made a mistake. They have put a roadblock in their place. Now, what does one do at a point like this? How does one correct this? I don't know because I'm not going to. I'm going to leave this hole here. I'm going to leave this gap here. I'm going to leave this this roadblock in place until they can figure out a way around it. And of course, I've got ideas of what they can do. 
I'm I'm sitting here behind the curtain looking at it going, oh, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. There are definitely several ways that they could figure ways around this, but that's for them to figure out, not for me to tell them. It's my job to provide another avenue of play should this become a permanent roadblock. Unfortunately, I've already planted seeds for that. That is the Land of Oz. And we are heading to the Land of Oz pretty much next session. Next session, they are going to secure their ride. They are going to rescue their pilot and probably do some stuff that I didn't think about, but that's all right. And this is another thing that I love about GMing. It's when the players do something that the adventure or the GM doesn't expect. It's exciting to play to find out what happens. And maybe this is my problem with the adventure is that I know what's going to happen. Maybe that's my problem. I've got a plan for them and I've got a story that is being told. And maybe this is where my problem lies. So again, Oz is going to be amazing. It is going to, I feel like it was really going to reinvigorate me and I'm excited to sit down and start building this section out. I think that I am pretty much ready for Oz, but what I need to do is build some actionable content. Right now, I don't know where they're going to pop up. I don't know where they are going to land. I don't know who they're going to interact with. I need to, what I need to do is give them the choice, right? I need to say, okay, this is, here's your Oz primer. This is section one, section two, section three, section four. You can land in any of these sections. Which section would you like to land in? So they will have meaningful choice. They will have a little bit of information about the wardens and they will have a little bit of information about the districts. Yeah, that's going to be more actionable content. All right. So if I give them information on the district, it's going to tell them what's in the district, who's in the district, resources of the district. All right. So who, what's and resources, right? The warden info that can be alliances. So they're going to meet, they're going to learn about Mombi and the alliance that she has with the coven in Prismere. They are going to learn about whoever the other wardens are and their alliances. So maybe even what they possess to help them and the power that they wield that can help them. And those four, five things are going to give the players a direction to go, right? The players are going to make that decision on the direction to go based on those things, which will then create the adventure that's going to happen. Again, this is what I like. All right. Yes, that has been my game and I am getting excited to get back into it. So what else have I been doing? I have been going to the guild house on Fridays. I believe I mentioned this last week and I'm going to mention it again this week. I'm making a commitment to myself to go every Friday. I have actually gone in the Guildhouse Discord and I have made an event. People can see what's going on and it's more official than it was before. Before I was just like, hey, let's hang out. I want to hang out. Does anybody want to hang out? And now I'm going to make an official event from now on. I've already met new people. I've already had a lot of fun. I've already connected with old friends. It's it's exactly what I wanted to do. This world, this life is about the connections we make and the people that we touch. 
And if I'm sitting here in my house, granted with my family, not touching as many people as I could, when I get out there and meet people, hang out and enjoy their company and they enjoy mine, it just, I don't know, it kind of brings it all together. You know, I'm a super introvert and I really like my time alone. Last night was New Year's Eve. You know what I did? I took a bath. I read the internet. And then I read some fiction. I went to bed. The house pretty much to myself. And I liked it that way. At the end of my life, I want to look back. I want to say, I know that person. I was there with that person. I did this with that person. I helped that person. That person helped me. I want to be able to leave something behind that's not just my family. feel like I can be really satisfied for the rest of my life being alone. And by being alone, I mean having very few friends, not expanding past what I've got now, keeping in touch with my family, and keeping this circle super small. The bigger it gets, the scarier it gets. But it really seems... Like the more fun I have, the more people I meet, the more help I can be. And those are my deep thoughts. I didn't expect to go there. Anyway, so Guildhouse, Friday. I threw an event up. It's very vague. It's a let's show up and do some shit. And I will I'll refine the event over time. We'll figure out what most of the people like doing. So far, there's no consistency, right? I, I, of course, I'm going in with, with two two meetings. The first one was board games. The second one was RPGs or an RPG. This week, who knows? I've put both of it out there. And this might be, I don't know what it'll be, right? But I'm, I'm hopeful that it will get a bunch of people together and maybe a bunch of different activities. Table of role-playing, table of board gaming, table of socializing. Anyway, anyone local out there, you're more than welcome to come. Just show up. Look for me. I'm hard to miss. There's a theme here underlying this podcast. I'm going to call it out now. It's recruiting. This is a struggle. This is, this is not an easy thing to do. And it is a very discouraging thing to do. Groups get together and fall apart all the time. There are many things that contribute to this. Location, time, play style, personality. <laughs> so many more things can go wrong in a game. And right now my game is hemorrhaging. I looked in Foundry the other day at my player list. I have a list of over 10 players. I think it's like 12 or something. Last night I had three players show up. These are the three most consistent players I have. And that's great. That's amazing that I've found these people who enjoy my game this much that they want to show up every week. Feel like I get someone, I lose somebody. I get somebody, I lose somebody. I get two people, I lose two people. And I'm back down to my base again. Three people is, in my opinion, just enough to play. And so if anybody calls out, we don't have a game. So I want to get this group back up to a pool of six or eight people. I guess the thing that I've learned this time around is always be recruiting. Like I stopped when I had seven people and I got a couple stragglers after that. But as soon as I got up to those big numbers, people started falling off for one reason or another. Again, 
I'm down to three. So I've been thinking a lot about recruiting lately. Now for an online game, it's definitely going to be easier than a game in, in your 3D. It's going to be easier than finding people who live around you to get into games with. So online, first of all, we've got this huge social media thing, right? And I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I don't do Blue Sky. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't do Instagram. Like I'll follow a link every once in a while and then I'll get stuck in there for maybe two or three minutes. But I, I really don't feel social media is for me anymore. So I've pushed myself away from that. But for those of you on social media, you have probably a large group of people that follow you that may be interested in playing D&D. All you got to do is post about it. People, people will ask questions about it. All you got to do is say, hey, I'm running a game this week and I've got some open seats. You know, and maybe the first time that's not going to work. Maybe the second time it's not going to work. Maybe the fourth or fifth time it's not going to work. But eventually you're going to get some people. It's just like sales. This is a numbers game, right? The more times that you ask if anybody wants to play D&D, the more people you're going to get respond to that. It can be discouraging. It can definitely be discouraging. And that's the hardest part about this, right? Is, oh, I put all this effort into this game and nobody wants to play with me. You're thinking about that wrong. You just haven't found the people who want to play with you yet. So keep trying. So Facebook is probably good for this because a lot of people are local to me, at least on Facebook. I don't know a lot of people out of state. And if you're playing online, then it doesn't matter where they're from. Twitter, I would say, is a dumpster fire right now from what I hear. So it may not be the best place to recruit. Finding small communities, though, that gather around the products that you're using. OSR is a big branch. NSR is a smaller branch. Old School Essentials is an even smaller branch, right? Karen is an even smaller branch. And if I find these communities online and follow them on social media, then I'm going to see posts from like-minded people. And then I'm going to start connecting with like-minded people. Now I'll go in. I feel like, all right, another place to find groups is forums, especially Roll20. Roll20, from what I understand and what I saw when I was on Roll20, it's a great place to find groups. Now you got to use Roll20 probably to play. But once you get in a couple groups and meet a couple people, you can say, hey, I'm running a game on Foundry or hey, I use a game, I run a game through Discord only. And you can probably convince them to try your preferred VTT out, if not uh, jump over into it. Other forums. There are tons and tons of gaming forums out there. There are large ones and small ones. EN World is the one that I think of when I think of gaming forums. There are quite a few out there. And if you search around, you can probably find one that's a little closer to your style. But EN World is the big one and that's got everybody on it. So if you go into EN World, drill down to find your style, your game, your system, your people, and then start recruiting from there, I think you're going to have a good luck. I think you're probably going to have better luck than posting in general on EN World. Discord. Discord has been my main source of people. I am in a lot of Discord groups, a lot of Discord groups. In fact, I'm thinking right now that I missed a couple of Discord groups to post my game into. This is what I do. I just make a post. Most of the Discords I have have a looking for players group and I drop it in there weekly. And again, first time, second time, doesn't always work. 
but I've gotten people from all over. I've gotten people that have only sat in my game once. I've gotten people that have sat in my game several times and one of my players I recruited from Discord. All right, so now let's get out of the online way to find people and get more into your 3D environment, right? What's going on around you IRL? I say gaming stores is probably still going to be your best bet for finding people. And most gaming stores have a bulletin board or something like that. They may even have a gaming room that you could hang out in. I've met people just going to a gaming store, sitting in their free play area and reading a book. That's how it happens. Adjacent to gaming stores, we've got maybe comic stores or Magic the Gathering stores. And these places are definitely D&D adjacent, right? People who are into comic books or into Magic the Gathering definitely know about D&D and may even be interested in it. So it's worth your time to talk about D&D when you're in these places as well. Play spaces. I know in San Jose, there are three or four dedicated play spaces. And this is going back to the gaming store, but Guildhouse is my play space. This is where I've met a bunch of people. And finding out what's on their activities, right? Who's going to be there? What's going on? There are meetup groups that meet there. Honestly, walking up and introducing yourself to somebody who's playing a game you like is a scary fucking thing. Trust me, you're not going to be mean. You're going to walk up and say, hey, I really like this game. And they're going to be like, oh yeah, you've played it before, huh? And then you'll start a conversation about the game. Yeah, I like the worker placement genre. I think it's really unique the way they do it with cards in this game. And yeah, it's just my, th it's just my jam. And they might say, hey, we just started. Do you want to get in here? We're on the second turn. They might say, yeah, we're just about to wrap up. You want to start a new game with us? Or they might say, go away. <laughs> it's a possibility, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen. And there you've made a connection. And then you say, hey, do you guys come here a lot? Is there a way I can meet up with you next time maybe and hang out and get to know each other, maybe play some games? Mm -hmm. And then you get that information, right? It's, it's all about approaching people and being approachable, which are scary, scary things, especially in this time where we hide behind the internet and after COVID, being around people isn't something comfortable for people anymore. And it's what we want. It's what all of us, I think, desire is to be around people. Even introverts like me, even the hard, hardcore introverts like me still like to be around people. I just can't do it all the time. I can't go seven days a week hanging out with people. I need a day or two to myself. And as long as I get that, I can recharge, I can get back out there and I can do my thing. Work. Yeah. Your work, your job. Start talking about D&D at your job. Start seeing whatever other people do during the week when they're not there. Bring it up. It may go somewhere. It may not go somewhere. Got a customer service position. Talk to that guy who comes in that D&D shirt. Ask that woman with that D&D pin hanging on her purse. What's going on? You got to put yourself out there and meet people. Again, it's hard. I get it. It's hard. It's scary. But go up to them. Even if your voice cracks, it doesn't matter. They're not going to think less of you. They're probably going to be excited to meet somebody who's into the same thing that they are. Your local library. Uh, I, I hear about this more and more that people are playing D&D at libraries. Look on your library's calendar, see if there's a D&D night. If not, ask. Ask about a D&D night. Ask about making a D&D night. 
I walked into the Lost Gatos library when I was delivering for Amazon and I was wearing a D&D shirt and someone was just like, oh, fucking cool, you play D&D? And there, I was like, yeah, you guys, you play D&D? And she was like, yeah, I'm the GM. We got this group here and half the people standing around were part of this D&D group. So we had a small conversation about that. And it's really cool to meet people again who are into your thing. Think about how you feel when someone comes up to you and asks about your thing. That's the way they're going to feel. They're going to be like, oh, you notice you, you recognize the shirt. You get my shirt. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So aside from being able to talk to people, how else are we going to recruit in these places? Whether they're online, 3D, doesn't matter. What you're going to have to do is establish a presence. You get in that discord server and you're going to have to talk. You're going to have to chat with people. You're going to have to get to know people. There are servers that I don't interact in, but I still post my games in, and I don't get a lot out of those. The more active I am in a community, the more questions I get about my game, the more acknowledgements I get about my game. Even if I'm not getting players in my game from these discords, people are talking about my game. People are asking about my game. People are making comments about my game. So if you don't establish a presence, no one's going to know you, and they're probably not going to want to play with you because they have no idea who you are. Second, be prepared. Wherever you go, wherever you go to meet people to play D&D, be prepared. Have a little adventure stuck in your bag. Everyone's got a cell phone. I tend to bring a ton of crap with me when I'm going to DM. But honestly, I could run a game off my cell phone. I don't need dice. I can roll dice on my phone. Everybody's got a phone. We all, all can use dice rollers. It's... It's something that you can do. You can be ready. So when you get to that place and you're in that space and someone says, yeah, I've always wanted to try that. And you say, then you can say, well, sit down, let's try it. Even if just having a simple scenario that you can run a second person through just to give them a taste what they can do inside of this, just to give them a taste of what, what D&D can be like and what D&D is like with you. Be ready for anything. And I mean anything. You can set up a group, walk in, and have no one show up. You can set up a group, walk in, and have 12 people show up. It is scary on both ends. Showing up to your group alone is very disappointing. Showing up to your group with 12 people is terrifying. Leading a group of 12 people is a very difficult thing. So be ready. Know what you're going to do. You know, if you've got 12 people, the first question you should ask is, hey, has anybody here ever jammed before? I'm thinking we should split up into two groups. So you've jammed before, but aren't ready for the adventure. Here's a really easy adventure that we can just go through. And uh, fifth edition Adventures League modules, I'm looking at you. These things are really good for sitting down and playing. I have run a lot of these things without a read through. And it works okay. At the table, you take a minute, you scan the paragraph, you go, okay, this is what's coming up. Boom, you set it up, it goes off. And then you move on to the next one. They're very short, they're very easy to use. And yeah, you can convert. It's not a lot of work. You can convert to any system you want. I'm going to say, don't go with 5e. <laughs> but that's my opinion. Find something lighter and convert maybe one of those adventures into it. Or find a pamphlet adventure. Pamphlet adventures are a lot of fun. They are a great exercise in improv because there is not a lot of information on those things. 
and you have to come up with your own stuff. Don't be afraid to kick people out. Again, even if your voice cracks, speak up. If someone's not jiving, if someone doesn't understand, if someone is acting like a fascist, tell them, hey, we don't do that here, okay? If you want to do that, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Generally, you'll get an, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And if they do it again, say, hey, I told you, we don't do that here. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And that's it. And there, again, another scary thing, another, like, terrifying thing that you don't want to ever have to do but being ready to do it will make it easier to do and the people around you will understand if someone is acting out of uh, if someone's acting like a jerk then like everybody around you is going to see it and they're not like secretly acting like a jerk to you in front of three or four other people right they are obviously being a jerk let them know Giving them a warning also brings it up to the other players if they're not paying attention. Oh, yeah, that that was a kind of a dick thing to say, huh? Yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to kick someone. And I think the last and most important thing here is exchanging info. If you're doing this online, it's probably something you've done in the beginning, but showing up in a but showing up in a social setting, meeting a bunch of new people, maybe coming to you from different avenues, maybe coming from Discord, maybe coming from bulletin boards, maybe coming from But showing up in a social venue, meeting people from recruited from different places, this might not be the case. So exchange info with them. Even if it's like, hey, I've got a Discord that I organize my games around. Why don't you join that Discord? Oh, you don't use Discord? What about other social media that you use? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. This is, I'd like to connect with you again. Can I have your phone number? Go old school. That's how we used to connect back in the day. It's still how we can connect now. If someone's not comfortable giving them their phone number, there are many easy ways around it. There's so many. Everybody is in one of these social media groups and you can definitely put yourself out there. I can definitely say, I don't use Facebook, but I have Facebook installed on my phone. Let me open it up and connect with you and then I'll get a hold of you that way. Easy, right? Make sure to be welcoming. You want, ultimately, you want these people to like being in your game. So if you don't show up being an elitist jerk, that's probably a step in the right direction. Any questions about recruiting, about my game, about the guild house? Any questions at all? Let me know. I've got an email, a Discord, whatever. Send me a voice message, I'll play it. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. And remember, you're not alone. At the very least, you've got me, and I'll talk to you. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackernerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website, or email me at cockatriesnuggets at gmail.com. Check out my new streams on twitch.tv slash jerry247. As always, you can use my blog at slackernerds to get links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join my new Discord server. Links in the show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share with your friends or shout out from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out, it's great for me. Thanks for listening.